You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where women podcast better. So we're going to stop making this show how dare you you ruined the illusion i was just gonna go silent for like a minute come on man i am of course uh you know i'll introduce myself in a second but i'm of course referencing uh gavin newsom's comments recently campaigning to not be recalled where he said women are smarter in politics smarter in civics they're smarter in economics women rule Uh, This is sitting in our Discord right now, the tweet of him saying this, and there's a picture of him saying this, and it says, stop the Republican recall. And just everything about that image in those words made me want to do that opening because, William, why would I vote for a man who says women are smarter? Wouldn't I just say, so who's the woman I I can vote for, right? (laughs) There's Caitlyn Jenner's on the ticket. Hey, based on his logic, I should vote yes on the recall and for Caitlyn Jenner. Exactly. And then also the fact that they're they're dishonestly labeling it as a Republican recall, trying to make it a, a tribalistic thing. <laughs> Are as there one not, million? You, know, you locked everyone inside. <laughs> Are there one million Republicans in California? I, I I'm <laughs> pressing after doubt. Well, wasn't there over two million signatures or something? I, I can't remember how many millions of signatures they needed to get this recall. But Republicans forced them to do it. Anyway, I'm your host, Justin Emlesneski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show, and that disclaimer is perfect for everything we just said, because we don't want Gavin Newsom coming after us, because we're just lowly men. We don't, we don't know anything. We're dumb. Joining me this trip, as you've already heard, from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Yeah, I love I love taking these statements and just, you know, replacing it with other things. Um for for our, <laughs> our... <laughs> So like uh maybe we could just replace the quote with something else. I mean, we could we could do the obvious. Uh Polish are smarter in politics, smarter in civics, and they're smarter in economics. Poland rules. That, so that, that, that that's works. true. Yeah. That's a true, true statement. True. I mean, uh, that's why people say Polish people are dumb because we're so smart that they need to tear us down. Yeah. Wolverines are smarter in politics, uh, smarter in civics, and they're smarter in economics. Michigan rules. Well, we'll see that that's false <laughs> later in the in the set in the in the. Oh, uh, I thought you meant actual wolverines. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: like, here's the thing. This is actually. I mean, we could blow this apart in eighty different ways because <laughs> it implies a comparison, right? When you say "are smarter," that implies a comparison. Yeah. Well, who is he comparing women to? I thought there were more than two genders. I don't know. That's a good question. So is he tacitly acknowledging two genders here? Or is well, he saying I, women are smarter than all the other genders, which that's that seems unfair. I don't know. It's it's so weird. I mean, you combine it with the straw man to stop the Republican recall. Is there a yeah. Republican getting recalled? I'm so confused. <laughs> the whole thing is like if you could visualize farce. That's what it would look like. That's what it would look like. 
We got a lot of other stuff too. You don't have any dodgeball updates this week, do you? Uh, kickball and no, kickball no, no. It's uh, we're we're in the lull between seasons, but uh, I am gonna go surfing. Uh, hopefully, if the waves look good uh, after after recording this, and then uh, taking Remy to uh, to the doggy gym. Uh, he's try. He's gonna take his first doggy gym class, obedience one. But he has to pass obedience one before he can get to agility, where he gets to jump ramps and shit. So I'm very excited to get him used to taking commands around other dogs. He's very distracted by other dogs. But as soon as he can do that, he can go to the uh, the agility class and be one of those dogs that run around in ramps and through tunnels and stuff like that. It sounds like we need to medicate your dog because he's distracted by other dogs. <laughs> he is. He's distracted by other dogs. He's he's too focused on other dogs. He can't be properly educated unless we medicate him because he clearly has attention deficit disorder. And when we're talking about education and doing things to people, we have something to update you on. So let's do that in Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. We accept any and all support, including affirmations. For some reason, my brain really tripped on those words. I don't know why. Anyway, themidside.com slash Patreon or themidside.com slash Locals. So, William, the first thing I want to sort of update everyone on is what happened here in Osceola County. If you remember last week, that judge in Florida overturned DeSantis's banning of mass mandates in schools. And then immediately my school was like, oh, on Friday we said that. Or my school district was like, oh, on Friday the judge said that. Monday we're going to vote or we're going to have an emergency meeting about mass mandates. And I was having a little bit of angst, a little bit of indecision about should I go to the meeting or not? Should I say something? And I wrote something up. And I I timed it and everything. It was going to be within my three minutes. And here's the thing. I realized that ultimately the reason I hate going to things like this is not because I don't have anything to say and not because I don't think what I would say would be valuable, but because it's such a waste of my time. It's these are things that aren't worth debating. And what I mean by that is they're so obviously true in one direction that we shouldn't be debating them right mass mandates are so obviously insane that we shouldn't be debating them so it becomes a waste of my time so what i did was i took what i wrote and i edited it slightly and i sent it to one of the board members and you want to know the coolest thing the coolest thing was when they were debating before the public comments the board member was using a lot of my points that I made in his arguments to the other board members. So I effectively shaped the public discourse. That was pretty rewarding. So although I did not go, I helped shape the narrative. And I will be putting what I wrote in the Discord. So if you want to read what I wrote, you can read it in the Discord. I'm not going to read it on air. Well, here, I've I've actually got got you uh, reading it on air. Here it is. You know what? It would be kind of badass, William, to just show up and play that drop and leave. (laughs) That would be kind of awesome. Although I don't think anyone would get it. 
Uh, I did essentially say that. I just said it much more intellectually and, and much more rhetorically uh, savvy than that. But that was essentially what I was saying. I was basically See, like, why are we you. doing this? It's a real life. It's, it's like it's like that Blinkist app, you know, that reduces books to uh, to uh, to short little summaries. We just re- this is just the summary of your of your three minute well, speech. I mean, that's the summary of what we should have been doing since March 2020. Isn't that what we've been saying on this show? That's what we've been doing on the show. It is. And you know what? Here's the thing. It works. We do not have a mask mandate in our school. A bunch of other people showed up talking about how bad they are and how worthless they are. And one of the board members at the end made a motion for it. Nobody seconded it. And I think now it is politically untenable to have a mask mandate in my school district. So I don't believe we will ever have one for the rest of this. But what about pandemic. the children? The, look, the children <laughs> are doing it to themselves, which is a whole different discussion. Yeah. Uh, and I will tell you, as the day goes on, fewer and fewer of them have them on. So like COVID doesn't spread at seven in the morning. But if COVID waits for its opportunity, just waits and stalks us at 1 p.m. Oh, that's what it can get everyone, because that's when the masks come down. Scary. It's like a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> yes, but here's the thing. This is why I moved to Florida. There is still hope. There is still hope. I don't think things are completely gone in this country. Although I, I do think there are a couple uh, other things to talk about this week that will lead into that discussion about this country in general, about freedom in general. Uh, but first... Uh, I, I think there's some 1984 stuff going on in a way that people haven't really talked about yet. You know, people talk about Newspeak and, you know, government overreach, Big Brother watching you. But there was a story out of England this week, William, that I was like, this could be straight out of 1984. There's a defender for Middlesbrough in the, the English Premier League, Mark Bola. And he was charged by the FA, right? The That's the... the the organization that runs the English Premier League, with quote-unquote aggravated misconduct for her tweet he wrote at the age of 14, which contained, quote, reference to sexual orientation. And I'm, I'm looking at the headline of... <laughs> we can assume that, right? But that's the key thing here. Actually, right? it's probably the fag. Word assume. It's probably fag, right? Like, just gay, I don't Which think, in England, I mean, he could have been talking about cigarettes. Yeah, that's true. Well, I'm just trying to think, because it's like, we've... We've made certain things like uh, so like like something that was so common to say growing up. We've made a lot of those things like hate crimes. So I think if I had to guess, I would would say it would probably fag, but it could be gay. Well, right. And, you know, we'll return to that idea that what you just said about, you know, how many years ago it was that that was common. And now all of a sudden. It's a hate crime that actually is relevant to a point I'm going to make in my movie review this week. But before we do that, I, th- I think you've, you've you've said a couple things, right? You can guess, you can assume, and you know. Again, this I was reading from the headline of a Daily Mail article, and when you read the rest of the article, there aren't any details about what he said specifically, and the the, the tweet isn't in there specifically. I guess the argument is probably that it's too offensive to share. But William, one of the things I remember most from 1984 is the the person, I don't remember the main character's name, but his job was to rewrite history, essentially, where he would go back and change old articles to make it seem like things were different than they were. 
And when you start saying things like, oh, this person said this, but you don't say what the person actually said, you're setting the table for that. You can say, oh, well, William Green said why, and you don't have to provide the proof that he said it. It's just enough of a charge to say that somebody said it. I I probably, I mean, I deleted my Facebook years ago now, but I'm sure I said some offensive things uh, that, like, you basically, if you go enough back, I was trying to think, because Facebook is probably the thing that has the most history, although Twitter, I've been around since 2009, 2005, something, I don't know, a long time on Twitter. Um, I'm sure you can find some offensive things, like things that I've said, and you just bring them into, talking about context, right? Bring them out of context by shifting them in time. They're automatically offensive. Right, they're automatically offensive. And you you, you said there that you deleted your Facebook. Now, we could have a discussion about us, the average people, right? We're not known, we're not famous. And it's a legitimate discussion about whether we should delete it or not. But why, when you are a famous professional athlete and you know you are going to go pro... Like, say you know you're about to enter the NFL draft in one to two years. Say you play for the University of Michigan or Clemson or Alabama or Georgia or something. And you know there's a high likelihood you're going to go pro. Why would you not either, A, make your account private immediately or just delete it? Why do you need to be on social media for that purpose? Wouldn't it be better to just delete if you want to be an influencer? Wouldn't it be better just to delete that and create a new public profile for your image? Maybe. I mean, the internet is forever. So, like, I, I I, don't know. Like, you're attacking the problem from an image perspective. There's certainly part of that, right? Like, but I think the other part is the culture side. How old was he when he tweeted this? Right. He was 14. Okay. What's the statute of limitations for hate crimes? Right. Well, and that's what I'm saying. It's it, We've talked about that before on the show. I agree with you completely. And I'm saying there's an extra added layer here that now they can just make this up. Oh, they yeah. could just pub this this entire... We have no way of knowing if this is made up or not, William. They we do have, not provide us any proof. And, and what is it with magical words? Like, I, I feel like I'm in a bizarro world, right? Growing up, you couldn't say, you know, fuck on television, right? Now they drop F-bombs all over the place. And... You, you know, there's words you can't say on the radio still because they're public airwaves. But even that's changed over time and gotten looser and looser. But now on social media, we have the opposite. I mean, Jesus, when when social media first came out, that was the appeal. You could say anything, right? It was it was bringing what was in the old uh, news groups and IRC chats up into a place where, you know, more people could interact. Now, I, I, I don't know. Now there's, there's, it, it, it's, it's like a, it, it's basically like the religious right, um, you know, trotting around a bunch of symbols that you can't make fun of, except for it's different this time around because it's ever changing, right? The standards are ever changing. Yeah. And, and that, that's what I'm saying. You, you combine all of this and this is very terrifying to me. It's very, very terrifying to me. And the only way to protect yourself really seems to be to go off grid, isn't it? I don't think that protects yourself. I mean, the internet is forever. And uh, so I I don't think that will protect you. I mean, who's, I mean, people are recording each other all the time too, right? So it's, and I don't know. I mean, certainly it'll reduce your risk, right? 
but then you're just seeding to the worst elements of of folks on social media. Right? If you apologize to the mob, you're just encouraging them. Yes. Well, that's what they want. They want that feeling of power that they got someone to apologize. Yeah. All right, let's move on to something that hits a little closer to home for you, William. Uh, you mentioned the Wolverines, the Michigan Wolverines at the at the top of the, the broadcast. And you sent me something earlier this week that I was like, I don't even understand. I can't I can't wrap my head around it. Um, it's the whole idea of equity based engineering. So there was a, an article that was this whole thing is bizarre to me, William. So it was written by the dean of I'm scrolling down here. Alec D. Gallimore is the Dean of Engineering at the University of Michigan. Okay. But on the Michigan Engineering website, they only have three paragraphs from the original article, which is the inside higher ed. And it says you can read the article at that website. Now, I'm assuming that has to be some sort of a exclusivity deal. Do you think that's what it is, William? I was just pulling it up. Uh, I, I maybe maybe it's like a promotion of the magazine or something. I don't know, but it's just it's, bizarre. You would think if it was the dean's bizarre. words, they would yeah. be able to re repost everything, especially because the three paragraphs don't say anything. So I'm going to read the the second paragraph. It says, "From the wheel to the automobile, the printing press to the internet." Eyeglasses to orbiting telescopes, engineering has expanded humanity's horizons and improved the human condition. But it has become clear that such technologies and systems do not benefit everyone equally. At times, they can even actively harm some groups. Unintended consequences can occur because engineers are people too, people shaped by their cultures with biases and blind spots. So this is what I don't understand, William, especially when you're as generic as here. If you're an engineer, right, I can understand if you're making this argument with communication or something of that nature. That makes more sense because you're dealing with abstract concept, abstract ideas. But if you're looking at numbers and statistics and you're measuring physical reality, how is having blind spots due to bias going to be unequitable? And, you know, an example they give in the full article here, an example he gives in the full article is he says, I'm trying to find it, scrolling back up here. Women are 17% more likely than men to die in a car crash and 73% more likely to be seriously injured. Why? In part because crash test dummies are modeled on men. Okay, so then, let's, let's accept that argument for a second, William. The idea that... You are going to design a product for the greatest number of people to be physically safe. So you're going to design the safety procedures in a car for the greatest number of people to be physically safe. So you're going to take the statistical average of everyone physically and use that to design the product. Well, yes, that will benefit men because men on average tend to be bigger physically than women so then isn't the only solution to make separate products for men and women here are the women's cars here are the men's cars but isn't that unequitable and then are we just going to say well within the 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 types of women where within the women's cars 
we are only helping certain types of women because it's inequitably going to hurt other types of women. You know, oh, well, Asian women tend to be shorter, so we need to have Asian female cars. And then aren't we, as I said before, backwardsing into or backing into individualism? We cannot, logistically, you cannot mass produce things and make things cheaper for the entire human species by trying to engineer for every person's unique circumstances. It doesn't work that way. I don't think that we can accept this uh, premise that women die more uh, than men because uh, the article that it links to says that female bodies are different than male bodies. And we know, uh, thanks to the trans community, that that's not true. Right. So even even the statement, if we're accepting all their premises, how do we know what a female body is and what a male body is? Every person would identify differently for know? that, right? Yeah. How does the seatbelt right. know? Yeah. So is the only way to be truly equity centered to have a government factory for cars where you go in and tell them who you are and how you identify and they design a car specifically for you? I don't know. And what happens then, William, if you get in an accident? How is your car replaced? Uh, by uh, getting a completely custom car. Well, that's what I'm saying. So do we, we have to make... Do we have to make custom products for everyone? I don't understand how this system works. Well, because- I mean, there's a there's a deeper article linked. So they, they, they sent it out. They sent out. The reason I saw this is uh, I get various alumni emails um, from the engineering department. And the one that I got was a Q&A with uh, who is this guy? That Alec D. Uh, Gallimore and Robert J. Vlasic. Or sorry. The Alec D. Gallimore, who is the Vlasic Dean of Engineering at Michigan. And it's like a Q&A and they say like, well, what is what is this and uh, equity centered engineering? And he says here, quote, we need engineers to be aware of and correct for the ways their work unwittingly impacts the distribution of wealth, power and privilege in society. And all I can say is no, that is not the purpose of engineering. Now, let's let's talk about like whether you should consider people in society. That's absolutely true, and that's at, at the center of engineering. I mean, civil engineers they 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 swear an oath and they have a code, right? Because they've been around the longest, and they some of the guild stuff is kind of in them, kind of like doctors do, right? Where they they uh, because you know if you're going to build a bridge that's going to last a hundred years, that that the safety of that and the impact of that is huge on a society, right? than on a neighborhood or wherever it's being built. Same thing with buildings and things like that. Big, big giant things. Now, for yeah, I mean, how else are you going to get over it if you don't build a bridge that's structurally sound? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but why would we, this is, this is the, you know, we've talked about how they've uh, tried to invade the hard sciences, right? This, this sort of uh, Marxist social justice rhetoric, but here it is like on the doorstep uh, already, you know, at the top of Michigan engineering. And for me, it's sad, right? Like I'm seeing what I'm seeing is this is the end of engineering, uh, at these elite schools. And that, that is, that is really terrifying, right? When you're, when you're talking about, I mean, these are people, when I was at Michigan, I rubbed shoulders with people who, uh, who helped, you know, uh, build the Falcon one, 
who uh, at SpaceX who uh, helped build Twitter, who uh, you know moved on and, and worked at Facebook and Google and Apple. These are all engineers that I worked with. Um, I the people who graduate with this view, with this view that they need to worry about um, the impacts of the distribution of wealth, power, and privilege in society rather than you know the the engineering problem they're trying to solve and how it how it affects you know the, their individual uh uh the individuated people that it can affect rather than society and power and privilege and all these like floating abstractions from the social justice uh um uh bible it's it's crazy right there's a center for socially engaged design dude this is like this is crazy absolutely crazy uh, again, I don't know. I don't even know what these terms mean. Like, I, what does socially engaged design mean? I'm it, literally Googling this right now. Socially engaged design. We and you know what the first thing that came up was? What? Was the University of Michigan. So they yeah. are the world leader in this. Yeah. Equity-centered engineering. Put people first. Inspire holistic engineers. Actively avoid bias ask better questions close societal gaps I, include can I historically about that? be aware of inequality do great things engineer differently put people first put people first can we talk about that for a second how they're using that you know oh people first language or put people first what is the job or what is the purpose of engineering if it's not people i don't know are they I mean, building bridges for cows I, I said this in Discord. If there's an engineer out there who doesn't put reality first, it's over. You're not an engineer anymore. You must put reality first, and that does include oh, people, hundred percent. Right? But you must 100%. put reality first. There's nothing. There's nothing like the science can be kind of speculative. It has to be right. Like the theoretical sciences, you have to be speculative, right? Engineering, no way. There's no speculation. Will it? Will it? Yeah. Will it crack or not? Right? Yeah. And when I was saying, you know, people first, I was saying that's the purpose, right? The purpose is yeah, to achieve yeah, some end for people, people. Yeah. right? I wasn't saying, you know, oh, people come before reality. I'm taking people as one of the conditions of reality because nobody's like, you know what? I'm just going to go over there and build a bridge over this pond. Why? I I don't know. I, I thought the squirrels would like it. Like, no, nobody does that. So the idea of saying it people first is even changing and, and bringing in an assumption of what people are it's saying people are their deficiencies people are their weaknesses people aren't their goals people aren't where they're trying to go or what they're trying to do or their strengths it's their weaknesses it's their group do you see that william yeah yeah it's just it's just it's just crazy and 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 part of this sort of wraps into the next thing i want to talk about which is Everyone is just so overly concerned about things that don't impact them. And that's sort of controversial with what I'm about to say, but I think I've sort of talked about this before. So a big, big controversy this past week is, is Texas banning abortion. Texas banning abortion. And before I even go into my thing about like people being concerned about things that don't affect them, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about the outrage over this. This is one of those issues that I don't get why people think is so clear and so settled. And because of that, I don't think people think about it on a 
a, a healthy way. Anyone who listens to this show or knows me knows that, you know, I'm very much freedom based. I'm very much choice based. And I very much believe you can't stop technology. So I think banning technology is never the right idea. And I think limiting people's freedom is never the right idea. But then I also distinguish, William, between can and should. So let's take drugs, for instance. I'm straight edge. I don't think people should do drugs. But that does not mean that I think they shouldn't or they can't. They shouldn't be told they can't do it. So drugs should be legal, even though I don't think people should do them. But again, then context comes into play. And that's the same thing to me here about the abortion debate. Right? If I had to give my personal stance on it, I would say abortion should be legal. But generally, I don't think abortion should be done, although it's a highly contextual, personalized decision. And I don't know everyone's personal context or reasons for it. So I'm not going to make a wholesale argument to say it's in all cases, it's wrong. But William, and this is a question I want to ask you. Isn't the argument of the pro-life side at least comprehensible that they're saying that that is a human life, so it should be protected and it's wrong to just kill it and it's murder? I understand that argument. We're not talking about some insane argument these people are making, but people on either side here act like the other side is making insane arguments. Yeah. I mean, certainly there are people making insane arguments on on the extreme fringes. That's I mean, everything, we've though. Had, yeah, I mean, we've had... Just there are a, people who I, said Zack Snyder should be killed for his daughter committing suicide. That's every argument. Yeah, exactly. Well, and we have people celebrating abortions. You know, that's a... Uh, you know, And that like, that's insane. You know, they have the picture of the woman who's like, I've had, what, 17 or 71? How many was it? Oh, that hurt. Her, uh, her, it, was, sure. it was... I don't remember, but it was, it was right. an unconscionable number, right? Why you would even say that, right? Like, yeah. okay, fine. Maybe... <clears throat> look, I don't know your situation... Maybe there was some reason for that many, and I'm being very generous here, but that's still not something you wear on a shirt. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that this is, you know, we, we get into the potential versus actual, right? The the sort of the philosophical point that we have to take into into account. You know, until, until the baby is born, it's still just a potential child. The, the issue is, though, at some point, you know, we've talked about, uh, I think we've talked about it on the show before. At some point, the, the baby's viable, and there's no reason. You know, the technology has advanced to the point where, like, there's no reason to kill this, even if it's a potential life. There's no logical reason why, other than, well, you can say, well, the baby's unwanted. Well, but there's tons of people who want to adopt children. So that's not, you know, that's not an issue. And Well, the only the only other argument at that point is saying... You know, you do have a right to self-ownership of your body, and it's yep. going to change your, you fundamentally. So it's changing who you are fundamentally, and you have a right to make that decision or not. But again, what you said, it at that point would be killing, so both sides have a good argument. Yeah. Yep. And I'm not saying what my, you know, you know I feel like this is a complex issue, and but frankly, I really don't have as much of a dog in this race, right? I'm never going right. to have to worry about... <laughs> um, I'm never gonna have to worry about this in some in some ways. I mean, unless I have a daughter or something eventually, right? Right. But, uh, but when I see when I see this uh, kind of thing, I'm I, obviously I don't like this, right? I I, I don't like this uh, additional um, restriction on. 
people's uh, individual rights. I think the uh, the the weeks that it were before was a arbitrary but understandable compromise. Um, you know, pushing it to the left, uh, you know, closer to conception. Like you were saying, Justin, I can understand it. That, that it's an argument that I can understand, right? But I I think that we we've seen this. This is a kind of a push button polarizing issue, and anybody who's like, "Hey, this is messy. Let's find some you know rules that we can not necessarily be satisfied with, but we can all kind of live with." Uh, but that's never the the discussion, right? It's very much either or, all or nothing. Um, and, uh, it, it, it's kind of, it's sort of been a example of unhealthy political conversation and it, I guess it will continue to still to be, um, to me, it's super interesting. The way people were like, you know, even, even, you know, even we just kind of stepped in it. They're saying, oh, well, they've, you know, they've overturned Roe versus Wade or they've, um, made abortions uh, uh, illegal in Texas. And that's not what happened here, right? They did move it to the left, maybe too far to the left, right? Um, on the timeline. Um, and that can be something that can be talked about, right? And then... Well, explain explain what you mean by they, they moved it to the left. Break it down. So, you know, you could get uh, abortion up until a certain number of weeks, and now they've made it six weeks. I think it's six weeks in the new law. So that's that's the part that has affected uh, actual abortions, right? Is like but a lot of women won't know they're pregnant um, at six weeks. Um, so that could be a problem. Um, that that being said, the the issue with this law is not, in my view, that the reason I'm concerned about this law is not that they move the the timeline to the left. Sorry, ladies, uh, listeners, if that's something that you're passionate about, I'm, I support you, but. That, that's not what is interesting or scary to me about this law. It's the vigilante justice. And so built into this law is not that the government is enforcing this ban. It's that anyone can narc on anyone and they get a $10,000 reward for narking on them if they get an abortion after six weeks. And it's interesting that... that and it includes people like Uber drivers and taxi drivers and anyone involved in eating <laughs> them on the way. Seriously. So anytime an Uber driver brings someone to Planned Parenthood, they're just going to be on the horn to the government. Uber and Lyft announced that they will they will cover the legal costs of anyone charged under this Texas bill. Any of their uh, drivers. Well, I mean, hey, they're setting up as a company for what they think is right. So good for them. Yeah, uh, and, and I think it's crazy I think because of this. So the, the, because this is new, that's also why the Supreme Court didn't do an emergency stay. And ultimately, I think that's why the Supreme Court, if it even bothers to get up there, this law will be overturned is because of this vigilantism. This is this is Puritanism, right? This is uh, this is uh, we, we've had laws like this in the past historically, and many of those were overturned um, for various legal reasons. Right. So I think this will be overturned, frankly, just for that. I mean, the six weeks might stay, but the uh, but this whole vigilante way to get around the restriction that's gonna that's gonna have to go but well the the vigilante thing is you can report someone and the government will give you ten thousand dollars correct yeah and that well and they'll charge them under the under the law yeah right so the the you say that and you say the word puritanism isn't it interesting how the right and left aren't actually that far apart 
I mean, no, not at all. I mean, the left, the, the left wants to do this for other things, right? Right. That's what I'm saying. Nobody in Texas stopped to think, oh, if we we codify this into law, the left can use this for social justice purposes. Give people ten thousand dollars rewards for turning people in. That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But but there's something else you said that I want to talk about. There's something else you said you want to talk about. I want to be clear, right? We're we're having a discussion here on a podcast. It's not taking a lot of time. It's not taking a lot of energy, right? But this is in Texas. And, and William, you said, you know, this doesn't really affect you. Well, it doesn't really affect you because it's in Texas and because you like to have sex with men. Am I Am I okay saying that? I think you're okay saying that. And Al, okay. even though I identify as a woman, um, I uh, cannot get pregnant. So this doesn't right. bother me. And, and the people you have sex with are are people who also cannot get pregnant. Yes. Correct? Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. So, Until the trans police come to arrest me, I, I, <laughs> I still only have sex with uh, uh, people who identify as male and actually have male parts. Well, yeah. No, it's called male what genitalia? We talked about this on the show, right? Male identifying genitalia is that what it there, is? There, uh, something like that. I can't remember the yeah. exact phrase. It was it, it was a uh, a gymnastics routine of language too. Right to not call a penis a penis. Right. So the point I'm making by 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 being over the top about this is, you've stated your position, but this doesn't really affect you. So you're not going to exert a lot of energy worrying about this. No. And likewise, I'm in Florida. Right. I'm not sleeping around. Right. So this doesn't affect me, really, even though I disagree with it. And you've even dug down to a level that I think is even scarier. Right. Codifying the idea that if you turn someone in, you get rewarded by the government, that they're turning you into their secret police like that makes it even worse. Right. But this is in Texas. The crazy thing to me, William, is did you see that the Women's March is setting up national protests about this? Why are we so concerned about things that are happening elsewhere in the country? Uh, and for instance, with the Women's March, why is the Women's March not marching every weekend to protest what the culture is in the Middle East? Why is it only in America? Is it because we're all part of the well, same maybe, country? Maybe you could say, I, 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 let's be charitable. I'm going to be charitable. Justin, I'm going to set set up a that's couple fine. of steel, I think being, some steel man arguments here. First, I first think that's good, important. I think being charitable is important. Empathy. All right. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're maybe you're uh, passionate about this issue and you have empathy for the people in Texas. And you know we're all Americans here, and you're you're upset about their rights being trampled. Okay, that that would be my first steel man. Uh, second uh, steel man is. We know that for the on the left, on the progressive issues, what happens in California happens elsewhere. That's why people have to pay attention and they raise a stink about what's happening in California, even if they don't live in California, because they know that, you know, we, you know, we in California, we, we do, we progress, man. We progress and progress and progress. And so, <coughs> excuse me, if, if we, if we enact some crazy law, um, then they see it as a threat, right? California will be the first state and then you'll have, you know. Uh, Washington and Oregon and, you know, whatever other New York usually will start to enact it. And then all of a sudden it's a it's a becomes a national issue. Right. So maybe they're thinking, well, and and especially with that scary part that I talked about, the whole vigilanteism, I, I, I see California picking that up right away. Right. Can you imagine um, 
let's 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 do it for uh, something environmental like recycling. Uh, maybe they should institute a ten thousand dollar bounty on people who don't properly recycle, Justin, here in California, right? Or uh, something with wildfire prevention. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they would do for that. Firework, fireworks, maybe. Uh, turning in your neighbor, you get the fine money that they extract from the people. Although in my in my experience, most of the people letting out the fireworks are not someone who's going to have ten thousand dollars to extract from. <laughs> so so William. I recognize everything you're saying. I get the empathy thing. I, I have empathy, right? I have empathy. Uh, I recognize what you're saying about worrying that's going to come to your own state. I'm getting that I job. mean, that's why, I why we... Right. Uh, uh, that's why we talk about things on this show, right? We talk about all the different states and everything. I mean, that's why we pointed out the, the secret police thing in here, yeah. right? We don't want that to go to our states. I don't want that in Florida. But that's why we talk about it. Is the most effective way of making sure it doesn't happen in your state to protest Texas? Now, maybe you have a rally in your state for what you think is right. So you let people know, no, this is where we stand in California. But to need to have a protest of what's going on in Texas, an anti-Texas protest. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That seems weird, right? I mean, part of it is like, I think... uh you know, uh, I think Adam Carolla pointed this out on the podcast, uh, or no, it was his interview he did with Dave Rubin um, uh, when Rubin came back from uh, being off the grid for a month. Uh, he he presented uh, this story, uh, the earlier version of this story, and was basically like, hey, you know, in California, there's all these things that get passed that because it's a Democrat uh, assembly, Democrat Senate, Democrat governor, there's all these things that get passed that are super left wing. And nobody bats an eye. There's no protest, quote unquote. There's no like, yes. you know, there's none of this. It's just like, oh, well, yeah, of course, because they're Democrats and this is what they believe. This is what their voters want. And there you go. I, the same thing is in Texas, right? Their voters want this. And yes. guess what? Some of them are women. Most of them are women, right? In Texas, uh, Republican. Well, that's, that goes so, back to my original point, right? So, Nobody yeah. ever talks about women being pro-life as if it's completely <laughs> yeah. irrational for a woman to be pro-life. Yeah. And you know, women I don't agree. Biologically... I don't agree. To be clear, I don't agree with them. But like, hey, like, take care of your own tribe here, right? All these right. tribalist people saying, let's be anti-Texas. There's all these Texas women that voted for this and right. and want this for some reason, right? Deal with them rationally. Make, argue with them. Get the... You know, well, you know make the it less of a they want it. religion for the most part. Well, religion and also women are biologically and genetically coded to take care of children. So you would understand yeah. why a, a woman would want to be pro-life. I mean, men are as well, but women, they have more of a bond with children, especially ones they give birth to. So you would get why coming from a religious perspective, coming from that perspective. And people, as we've seen, ex exist and live on a spectrum genetically and biologically. So there would be some women who would be very pro-life and some who are very yeah. pro-choice. Yeah. So it makes, so I, just, it makes sense. Just, just, to, just to close out my point. So uh, the point I'm making here is the narrative is this is men in Texas doing this to women in Texas. Right. And 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 uh, I, I think that's part partly blown up by those two facts. Hey, like these are these. This is a Republican controlled state doing what they you know, right or wrong. Right. Doing what they uh, were voted to do what their constituents want, and some of those constituents are women. Most of them are women, in fact. Looking at the election uh, polling, so, uh, so yeah, there's a. I would rather. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be outraged and all that. That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm just saying, hey, where's a little bit of that outrage when California passes outrageous minimum wage wage laws or, um, you know, uh, crazy regulations on shit? Won't let us uh, tearing down nuclear power plants at a time when we're having, you know, blackouts and, and stuff. Right. This none of this makes any sense. There should be outrage across the country. Right. Because just the power issue alone, that affects neighboring states. When California has to have rolling blackouts, that affects neighboring states. They're all on the same grid. But anyway, well, no, I have I have a couple of things to say based upon what you said, and then I have an overall point I want to make. But um, first of all, the left has always been better at mobilizing protests and mobilizing outrage. So I think that's part of why it is right. People, I, 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 mean, I, I would you. say I, they're probably better at it, but I think also they see it as a tool, as a weapon. Whereas yes, most on the most it. on the right, rightly, correctly, just see it as often just performance. Right. Right. There's nothing. Nothing happens. Maybe right, but the left understands that performance is a tool. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, look, I know that there are people here in Florida who when California does something crazy, they laugh at them and they say how stupid it is and say, you know, don't California my Florida and things like that. So there are people in other states who look at California and don't want to be like that and think what they're doing is absurd. They just don't mobilize it and use it as a tool in the same way the left does. It's two completely different perspectives on it. Uh, the second thing is, let me uh, let me make this supposition, right? Because there's an interesting tension here. The tension is, why is the left that is so pro-government and big government and wanting government control over things want such freedom in this? Right? Why do they want to argue for a position that's freedom-based? Oh, giving human beings a choice, allowing a technology and a procedure to to not be criminalized. That would seem, William, on the surface, would that not seem anti what the left is doing? Yeah, a bit. It does a bit. Okay. Well, I'm going to do the same thing that I did when I was talking about California legalizing marijuana. This is not actually a good thing because that means they're just going to regulate marijuana and tax the hell out of it. Which they have. Right. So now imagine the left legalizing abortion across the country and then using government to control abortion. And then we start talking about equity with childbirth. Oh, that's true. I mean, there's not, there's um, um, definitely, you know, too many white people. So we should have more, you know, more abortions for those. And uh, isn't this the means? Aren't there some people here who this is the means of them getting control of childbirth? <laughs> and how far are we away from the Kryptonian Genesis chambers? where no one is born by natural childbirth. <laughs> They're all genetically yeah. engineered by the government to fill certain roles. I'm intentionally being over the top because yeah. that is what the purpose of science fiction is. Yeah. It's to look at a, where we would go and to exaggerate it and show the endpoints of it. And that's all I'm saying is you're looking at it and saying, oh, well, they're fighting for freedom. Are they really fighting for freedom or are they fighting for another way to control society? Because if they're, say, equity-based engineering, how hard is it to say equity-based reproduction? Yeah. And why I has think, that not already been said? Yeah. I think uh, I think you have a, your next uh, article on the midside.com. Speaking of, I enjoyed your, uh, enjoyed your article. Waiting for the next one. We should have a discussion in Discord this week. Uh, guys, if you've not checked it out on the midside.com. But, uh, but yeah, let's write a uh, – I think we should write a spoof article – just replace that Michigan engineering equity-based engineering, and let's uh, let's replace it. And make it uh, equity-based reproduction. Make it about the Texas uh, 
um, abortion law and and see what we can see what we can get out of it. See what absurd it's pretzels very, we can we can make. Yeah, it's very Swiftian, right? It's very yeah. a modest proposal, right? Uh, and the final point I'll make very quickly because you've given me an excellent transition to the to the hopeful romantic. Uh, the final point I'll make very quickly is. Um, Originally, remember, it's supposed to be that we're supposed to be basically 50 nation states and people seem to have forgotten that. So I do think if there's a a legitimate I wonder if there's a legitimate question of whether we should be one nation anymore or just 50 different nations, because we seem to care a hell of a lot more what happens in other states versus other countries. We are more mad about Texas banning abortion than we are about fucking canada and all the canadians being oppressed right now okay so something to ponder for the midsiders out there uh what we'll do though is we'll ponder we'll talk about my article a little bit and talk about some movies we'll do that now in the hopeful romantic with jml If you would like to continue this conversation or have any conversation during the week between episodes, you can do so by joining our Discord. You can find the link on the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast. You just click on any episode link, and within that episode link, there is an invite to join our Discord. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, for instance, we share content all the time. William just talked about some content that I created. Uh, I'm working on basically a series of three articles right now. And I posted the first one. I posted the first one in Discord on Saturday, and it's called Influencers. Influencers. Sorry, I, I, I messed up that word. Influencers at the Hot Gate on being a Zack Snyder and Ayn Rand fan. Of course, the Hot Gates is a, a reference to 300 and the, the Battle of Thermopylae. And there's a whole bunch of content in there about sort of my frustrations and making a legitimate at least I believe legitimate cultural commentary about all of these different fan groups and all of these, even ideological groups. So William, you said you really enjoyed it. Are there any uh, thoughts you would like to share on the article? Well, I think I really like the part where you broke down the fact that you, uh, that some people have wrapped up their identity in their fandoms in a way that, is not necessarily healthy. And so I'd love to, you know, we've talked about some of that on our podcast. Um, you know, there's, there's a sense in which, and I think, um, Oh, who wrote about it? Tara Smith wrote about it, uh, about enjoying sports in the context of sports. And, um, there's a, there's a sense in which, uh, you know, that can be a value to your life getting, um, wrapped up in, and, you know, living vicariously through and becoming a part of and being participatory in a fandom. But there's an aspect where you're losing your individuality that is unhealthy and dangerous psychologically and damaging to to others. And I think just the the way that uh, the article uh, goes through everything helped me concretize some thoughts around that. 
Yeah, well, it's certainly about specific experiences dealing with those type of people, because I think the important thing that kind of builds on what you were just talking about is I think social media and modern communication technology encourages that kind of behavior you just described. It encourages you to wrap your identity up, wrap your self-esteem up in identifying with a group rather than pursuing your values and being productive in reality. It becomes more about, oh, I am important and I represent this rather than, oh, I enjoy this and here's how I can contribute to this community in this conversation. And to me, that's what's dangerous. I mean, I wonder this all the time where you even see, you know, you see like on American Ninja Warrior, everyone's like, I represent this group. I represent this group. Maybe it's my my white male privilege, William, but if I was world class in anything, I wouldn't feel the need. And if somebody asked me, I would even disavow representing anyone except myself. I think that's very presumptuous. And I think that that's very disrespectful to every other human being who is similar to me when I say, oh, I represent all Zack Snyder fans. I represent all Ayn Rand fans. Who am yeah. I to say that? Everybody, I, th- I think there's a core of you know, what each of those represent and who they are and what their art is. But there are people who like it for a myriad of reasons. And who am I to say I represent all of them? There are... Iron Man fans who just like trains. Sure, okay. Who, who who am I to say that they can't do that? Are there? Yeah. It, it, do they live in Chattanooga, in, Tennessee? Yeah, maybe. maybe. Uh, or Stockton, Colorado. Um, yeah, uh, yeah I, I think it's... I mean, of course, we gatekeep uh, the fans of our show with our uh, beautiful Patreon Uh so if you join Patreon, we do gatekeep some content behind behind the paywall, and you get access to special uh, channels and Discord. So we're totally guilty of gatekeeping. Um, that uh, facetious uh, aside, behind us, it's the idea that there's some sort of litmus test to be a fan of something is very strange to me. I mean, we've seen. We've seen a lot of, uh, and you pointed on the article, a lot of irrelevant um, sort of requirements to be a fan of certain things. And that's kind of scary, right? We've seen it in the objectivist community a lot um, about, you know, if you don't support particular candidates, then you're clearly uh, anti-life, which was the meme from a few years back. Um, and... Uh, you know, those things are hard to come to conclusions for just in general. And then expecting everyone to just come along was deeply ironic, uh, considering how objectivism works and how, you know, if you if you've come to the wrong conclusion, but you've come to it in your own with your own thinking, then that's still something to be lauded for. Right. Like you're, you're, that's still respectful um, or uh, so respect worthy. Sorry. Um and then when we talk about the Snyder fandom, you know, you talked about how you were kind of in it and then on the periphery and then back in it a bit. Uh, I was always in the periphery, right? And even I took some arrows for different things, different tweets and different, um, uh, 
you know, posts that I had. So it was crazy. It, it, really? It was, what? Did, what? Yeah. Did, I, I'm, I'm curious. What did you take arrows for? I, I man, it's been so long that I don't remember. But there was some debates I would just get pulled into randomly yeah. for posting things, and uh, it's been it's been so long because you know, gosh, the say, <laughs> you know, uh, the Snyder Cut uh, movement is it's pretty uh, pretty long and winding, but. I'd have to look it up. Uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll spend some time this uh, holiday looking up some of the things I got drawn into. But it it was um, we see it with sports a lot as well, right? Um, and uh, yeah, well, yeah, and that that's what the article's about. It goes a step further than just gatekeeping, right? Mm-hmm. I, I do think, and I have talked on the show that I do think there's a legitimate role to rational gatekeeping. But I'm pointing out a specific kind of irrational gatekeeping that I'm calling the influencer gatekeeper because it becomes more about I am holding the power over this group than it is about what the group's about. So it's, oh, I am holding the power over what it is to be a Zack Snyder fan rather than it is, oh, well, we like Zack Snyder movies. Let's talk about them. So my ultimate point is it prevents any type of progress you can't actually talk about what the movies are about anymore because nobody wants to have that discussion because there becomes oh you're either in the group that actually understands the quote-unquote truth or you're just someone who's trying to pretend when you aren't really part of that and you get just ostracized and ignored anyway go on the discord or go to the midside.com check that article out i don't want to belabor that can't wait for part two yeah, part two of the article is going to be, uh, I wrote a article, kind of a retrospective on Zack Snyder's Justice League and how it got released, and that article, due to these influencer gatekeepers, was uh, heavily edited over a period of a month and a half, two months, and I eventually pulled it from publication, so I'm currently going through the process of editing it to res- restore it to its uh, non- I call it the non-Weedon edition, uh, and then I'm yeah. going to put that up. And then there's a third article coming as well, which builds on uh, some of the stuff I do on the show. Like it builds on reviewing movies, and it, it's it, it talks about how to review movies. And so let's do that right now. Let's do that right now. Uh, you know the scale I have here is at the top we have a so bromantic, bromantic, bro is sort of a, a middle rating. Uh, no bro is you know below average, and no is like just don't see it, and. I'll be clear that I don't give a lot of movies no or no bro rankings. You have to try pretty hard to 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 get that low of a rank. Do you have an example, an exemplar of no or no bro? There was one that came out recently that I that saw that I know I gave it a, a no, but I can't remember what it was. But the one that jumps to mind is uh, I saw that movie Profile, mm. where the 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 female journalist journalist in England, I believe. I don't remember where she was, but it was based on a true story where it was it was like the movie Searching, where it was all told via, you know, FaceTime and Facebook and social message, social media messaging. And she was talking to an Islamist Islamic extremist, and he was essentially catfishing her. And it was just very, very poorly done. Very poorly done. Uh so that was an example of like a no. I mean, one of the most movies I've ever seen, and this is controversial for some people, apparently, is Booksmart. It was terrible. It wasn't funny at all. It was just like, let's take Superbad and try and do it with women who aren't funny and have all the, the tropes that are 
harmful to creating a positive psychology in society. It just book smart was terrible. Uh, way back in the day, I hated darkness starring Anna Paquin. It's just a really, really bad movie, but it's, it's very few and far between that. I give that even most Marvel movies. I don't, I don't give that low. So I, I want to be clear about that because you have to take into account how a movie is made and the quality with which it is made. And that's all a very long uh, preamble to say, I saw Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, and it's a solid bro movie. I give that a a solid bro. Uh, I would not look down on anyone who saw it. I would not look down on anyone who enjoyed it. You know, we're not talking about, like, where Black Panther's extremely well made and it's enjoyable to watch, but then it ends up supporting tribalism. Or we talk about what Civil War did to... Captain America and Iron Man, and we we talk about um, Winter Soldier being a Nazi paranoia flick, right? There are all sorts of things we can talk about with Marvel, but Shang Chi isn't any of those things. Shang Chi, it's 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 essentially a kung fu movie with some humor from Aquafina, and you talk about the Marvel formula. They do do some of that jokes undermining things, but that's also sort of Aquafina's humor. So it kind of works with her. And it's almost at times it feels like she's almost ad-libbing the jokes. So that kind of works a little bit better than in most movies. And it's very intentionally supposed to have a Chinese feel to it. So whereas a lot of Marvel movies try to force this terrible catharsis down your throat, Shang-Chi is really just a movie about how do you deal with family? How do you deal with family that is destructive for your life. Essentially, this is what the movie's about. There's this guy who gets the 10 rings. He wears five on each arm, and these rings give him immense power, and they give him essentially immortality. As long as he has them on, he can live for a long time. And he does that. He lives for a very long time. He creates a sort of like a foot clan called the 10 rings. That's what he calls his foot clan. And he affects, you know, world governments and everything. Now, this is sort of the problem Marvel's going to start running into logistically, William. And I'll throw this to you very quickly to get your response. How do you keep introducing villains who have been shaping the world when we've had world-ending and universe-ending events that these villains weren't involved in? I don't know, because it seems like... We've had we've had these like world shattering events and these people aren't around and haven't done nothing. I mean, I guess you could retcon them in, right? But it 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 yeah, it to keep this together, there it's just going to be harder and harder, right? Right. Because if this guy has these 10 rings which give him immense power, why wouldn't he have fought Loki or why wouldn't he have fought Thanos? Right? Why was he not participating in these things? Especially because the movie ultimately doesn't make him the ultimate evil. They show him as misguided. They show him as wrong. So this guy, he's immortal and he's never had love. And he's trying to, you know, he's conquered Earth, essentially, which again, I know how he conquered Earth in the shadows. Maybe he was the one who killed JFK or something. I don't know. They never explain it. But he tries to find this lost ancient village. Think of sort of like, um, it's sort of like Pandora except on Earth. Or it's sort of like, remember in, I was talking about Godzilla versus Kong, where 
in the middle of the earth, there's like this secret world where Kong came from. It's sort of like that, where there are all these different creatures and everything. And when he gets there, there's this woman keeping guard. And they eventually fall in love because he keeps visiting her. And she renounces her village and he renounces his rings. And they have children together. But eventually his past comes back to haunt him. She's killed and he puts the rings back on. He trains his son to be this master assassin, sends his son to San Francisco. His son rebels and runs away. Now the son's an adult and he gets sucked back into all of this. And they have to deal with the father and what the father's trying to do. So you can see how this is all about family and everything. So that makes it sort of more enjoyable, where it's just like, oh, okay, it's about their family. At the beginning, though, I would say the, the worst thing I can say about this movie is it's sort of very cheesily done. right? You can tell it's very much Disney in the bad sort of censored, desanitized sense. Do you get what I mean by desanitized? Made to be as inoffensive as possible. And it's yeah, just, it it's just no not risks. interesting. It offends no one. Right, exactly. Exactly. Now, when it gets past that and it goes into all the fighting and everything, like if you like like 80s martial arts movies, it's really cool and it's really fun for that reason. But then the whole thing culminates in the, the Pandora area, right? Or avatar the last airbender whatever you want to say the fighting is kind of like avatar the the last airbender that kind of stuff and it culminates in there and in that city there's a gate that keeps the ultimate evil behind it for this town for this culture and they have to stop that from escaping and and taking over the world so this this movie does suffer from uh something that, you know, I've heard people say, I think you brought it up, William, that everything has to be a world-ending event. Wasn't you who brought that up? Yeah, yeah. The stakes are, uh, because they can't invest in character development, the stakes are always the world is going to end, right? Right. And th that's what this ultimately ends up doing. So even there, even though there is the character development, right? There's the character development of uh, of Shang-Chi and, and, and Katie, which is Aquafina's character. And there's character development with, you know, the father, so all these these characters grow, but ultimately this suffers from, and I came up with a, a term for it, apocalypsitis, right? There has to be an apocalypse. Now, the apocalypse takes place in this hidden village. So it's one of those, even though the, um, the world is being protected, the rest of the world doesn't know about it. But even that's a question I have to ask, William. How often are we to believe that... Let's think about it logistically, right? A story is supposed to be unique. It's supposed to be special. Oh, this event's happening because we're telling this story because it's unique and there's something special about it. But how many times are we supposed to believe the world is threatened and nobody knows about it and some special person takes care of it? Doesn't that mean that this is so commonplace that it's not a big deal anymore? Yeah, yeah. It happens all the time. It's pretty right. crazy. So that's that's why I'm saying ultimately Marvel this is spectacle. It's spectacle theater. And that's why it's a bro and it's you know it's a high end bro, right? It's better than a lot of Marvel movies, but I wouldn't say that you know this is a bromantic or a so bromantic movie because it's lacking that depth because ultimately it relies on apocalypseitis. And then I will say I will warn everyone because look, it can be fun to see. I saw it in 3D and I'm glad I went to see it in theaters in 3D. I do have the AMC pass, so it's not like it's costing me extra money. 
but I will warn you. We were talking about earlier, William, when we talked about that that the, you know, the English football player, and when I say football, I mean soccer, who, when he was 14, that he said something, and now that's considered bad and culturally backwards, right? They do sort of do that with Iron Man in this movie. Oh. And what I mean by that is, do you remember how in Iron Man 3, the Mandarin was actually just an actor played by Ben Kingsley's character, Trevor? Okay. Well, Trevor's in this movie. And the the real Mandarin, the guy with the Ten Rings, he he doesn't go by the name Mandarin. He addresses that. He says, you know, an American businessman appropriated my my identity and my culture in order to create this villain and named him the Mandarin. And they were like, what, after a fruit? That doesn't make any sense. Even though Mandarin is one of the dialects of Chinese, is it not? Yeah. So they try and make Iron Man 3 seem like this racist backwards movie, which is so crazy to me, William, because it came out in 2013. Are we really to believe that the way we were less than 10 years ago is so backwards and evil? Like going from 1993 to 2003 wasn't like that. Why did we suddenly make this jump? Where is this coming from? And why is Marvel and Disney well, is part of that also uh, isn't that part of it also to to distance from Fu Manchu? Because, I mean, really, that's what this should have been, right? It should have been a Fu Manchu sort of movie. But that comic is seen as racist now. I, that went way over my head because I don't read comics. Yeah, yeah. So there's so th- these this character and story is it comes from like the Fu Manchu like comic series, which had a lot of like Chinese tropes in it, like Chinese character tropes in it. Um, you know, nothing worse than Conan the Barbarian sort of stuff, right? But um, but it's a you know well liked you know older series, but uh, that's where some of these stories come from. And like I think Fu Manchu was supposed to be this dude's father. I don't know. I'm not that deep into comics either, but I just know I, I'm just suspecting that some of that also not just that it's not only shitting on Iron Man three and calling Iron Man three racist, but it's also part of putting that distance to the Fu Manchu character. I mean, that's part of why I don't think they're allowed. They're, they're, aren't the Chinese not allowing this in China? I don't know. I haven't paying attention. Which, if they are. Marvel's going to be very disappointed with this because I think they made it with trying to make money off of that audience. Oh, yeah, certainly. But hey, look, I think there are worse Marvel movies out there. I'd say it's probably one of the, you know, this isn't up there with Iron Man, Iron Man 2. And now now I'm I'm digging in even more on my support of Iron Man 3 because the entire point of the Mandarin in that movie was that it was appropriated and it was a stereotype and it was over the top. The The corporate character was using that terrorist image to manipulate the American people and the world. That was the entire point. So it's interesting that Shang-Chi, the movie, undermines that while missing the point. They don't even understand the movies that came before them in their own universe. So, you know, it's not up there with those. But hey, you could do a lot worse for a Marvel movie. And I will say this movie was exceedingly better than the trailers. Exceedingly better than the trailers. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, let's talk about some trailers. 
As always, I like to post the trailers on Saturday in the Discord. You can watch them before the episode, watch them after the episode, or during. You can watch a trailer, pause the episode, watch a trailer, pause the episode, you know, just to listen to our commentary and know what we're talking about. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Mass is the writing, directing debate of debate debut of Fran Fran Kranz. This actor has been in Dollhouse with by Joss Whedon. He's been in M Night movies. You know, he's one of these actors that if you if you saw him, you would know who he was. He's not in the movie itself, and this trailer is a perfect example of how movies are a visual medium. And when you're directing, you need to take that into account. This movie looks like it's just a conversation between two couples. They're two older couples and the son of one couple killed the other. Now that's certainly dramatic, but that's also a stage play. And this seems to be written like a stage play. And the trailer even demonstrates that where the trailer has to find an inventive visual way to make this non-visual movie seem enticing. And that is that is the biggest thing I can say about this. And because of that, even though this seems like, you know, that's an interesting premise. I would possibly read that story. I would possibly see that play. But I am not going to see a movie that does not use the medium effectively. Tackle. Tackle. Boring is all I have to say after watching this preview. Tackle. Second trailer. My Son is a a movie that's going to be on Peacock. It stars James McAvoy, and his his son disappears. And they have to investigate why his son disappeared. But that is not the only way this trailer is marketed. This trailer is marketed at the beginning. It says James McAvoy was never given the script, and he learned the mystery as the viewer does. I don't know how that works logistically. I don't know how they do multiple takes. I don't know how that's just not James McAvoy being uh, not improving and then throwing the other actors off their game, right? Because the other actors are assuming on script. You know, I, I assume they gave him a character profile and background, you know, who his family is, what his job was, all of those things. I just don't think they told him the, the broader parts of everything that happens. Did they shoot the movie in order then, which makes it even more insane if you think about it because the reason they shoot things out of order is you shoot it based on location so certain locations appear in stories at different times in the movie so this this whole process and approach seems very strange to me it also seems like nowadays we're so far down the spectacle road that that's how we have to start making and marketing movies these last two trailers are a dangerous sign to me that we do not want our movies to become pure spectacle because this is what it will devolve into it's a gimmick now james mcavoy is a great actor right he was great in split right he's been great he was great as professor x he's been great in a lot of things but we do not want to go down this road tackle tackle at least this one looked visually interesting uh looks like there's some guns there's some things that might blow up there's some interesting mystery to unravel. Uh, but, uh, Justin, I have a question for you. If they had left that part out about, like, we didn't tell him the script, he's just improving. 
And if they had left that part out, this would be a clear hug for me. But when they put that in, I think it had the opposite effect of they intended. Now I'm sitting on the fence. But I'll tell you what. I, it's original. And that barely pushes it over to a peacock and hug. Netflix and hug. Third trailer. Surviving the Game stars Bruce Willis and Chad Michael Murray. Or Survive the Game. I apologize. It seems as though it's just about people trying to break into Chad Michael Murray's house. And he's protecting it. And Bruce Willis is there. I Look, I watched this trailer yesterday and I honestly don't really remember what it's about. It doesn't look like it's particularly well made. It looks like Bruce Willis being a badass. Uh, so I'm going to be honest, as much as I love Bruce Willis, right, he's one of my favorite actors, I'm I'm not going to see this movie. I can't, I can't pretend otherwise. And to try and make an argument or make some sort of point about this, it's just would be being dishonest. Tackle. Tackle. Well, this is another one that's on the fence. Uh, you know, I like watching Bruce Willis be a badass. Uh... But we, we just talked about it. There's, you know, it looks like this is all spectacle. So maybe if this is on a plane, this is one of those movies I would, uh, I would put on. But I don't see a reason to run out and see this. Tackle. Tackle. Final trailer. Red Notice is a Netflix original movie starring Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. And do you need to hear any more before you know that I am going to hug this movie. I, I, I will say this. Hug. I, <laughs> pretty much, yes. I will just say that I am happy with how this movie looks. I've been waiting for this movie for a while, both this literal movie and both the idea of the crossover between Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson. And they added Gal Gadot into that crossover in a good way. She looks like her role is strong in this. Uh, basically, this looks like Gal Gadot is a thief, and Dwayne Johnson's trying to catch her, and Ryan Reynolds is sort of caught between the middle of them, where he was a thief, but now he's working with Dwayne Johnson to catch Gal Gadot. It just looks like, look, you know what you're getting from these three actors. Uh, I love Dwayne Johnson. I love Ryan Reynolds. This looks like the production value is high. It looks like Netflix is not afraid now to go forward with movies that are made by a singular creative voice because at the end it says the name of the director. I can't remember who it is. Um, and I knew what he did before, but I can't remember that off the top of my head now, but they're going forward this. So all around this, I, I wish this kind of movie would go in theaters. This is a movie I would love to see in theaters. So hopefully Netflix puts this in theaters as well, but either way we've already established it's a hug. Netflix and hug. Um, <clears throat> yes, 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 please. Uh, this looks interesting. Um, it looks fun. Uh, not sure how much, uh, catharsis will be in it, but it, it has, it, it's, it's, it looks like there's, the characters have some on-screen chemistry, some fun on-screen chemistry, and that's going to be interesting to watch. And, uh, it's a story, you know, we've ha seen some stories like this, you know, chasing a thief. Um, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I'm with you. Like the, the only question I have, Justin is 
with all this money and all these movies that The Rock is doing, I mean, he's just cranking them out. Will he have time to run for president? So this is a big old hug. Hug. What did we learn this trip, William? I learned that I need to be concerned whether The Rock will have enough time to run for president uh, while swimming in all this money he's making from these awesome movies he's been making. Justin, what did you learn this trip? Uh, I learned, and I don't know if anybody can hear it, although it just stopped right now. I learned that apparently my neighbors like to put on really or music with really loud bass in the afternoon on weekends or maybe even weekdays. I don't know. Have you been able to hear it, William? No, it hasn't come through on the Discord, but it might come through on your recording. Uh, we'll see if it comes through on the recording yeah. or not. But wow, this is we, we need to wrap this up because even I don't want to sit here and listen to this. So <laughs> well, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Like I say, that if it wasn't for you, it would just be me talking into the corner in a closet and I'd feel a lot crazier than I am. So I appreciate you listening. If you'd like to, uh, apparently they stopped the uh, the base right now so I could plug the show. So I appreciate that. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so. The midside.com slash store or the midside.com slash cut or the midside.com slash the cut. You can pick up my novel there. You can also support us on Patreon or locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash locals. That's how we keep the lights on, keep this show going. Oh, it's starting up again. Starting up again. Uh, and as always, the best way you can help to grow the show is to tell a friend. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a reality-centered day. William, this uh, this chart you put in uh, Discord is really good. The uh, COVID survival rate, you know, zero to nineteen years old, ninety nine point nine nine seven percent. Twenty to forty nine, ninety nine point nine eight percent. And it's all you know, it's all the way ninety nine percent to seventy plus and ninety four years, ninety four percent. That's pretty. That's pretty stark to look at those numbers. Crazy.